You're listening to Advancing Our Church. And we're back. That's right. You're listening to Advancing Our Church, a podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend, and I hope you all had a fantastic summer. Boy, it went by fast. The last time we were all together was July 4th weekend, and uh, we were at the Convocation of Catholic Leaders with 3,000 delegates from all across the country celebrating Pope Francis's joy of the gospel, hearing the fantastic presentations, many of which are still online. If you haven't had the opportunity, uh, you can go on YouTube, you can go on the USCCB website and find some of the presentations. Bishop Barron's was just uh, out of this world, so I would highly recommend that. Certainly uh, great subjects for um, Bible reflections or prayer groups uh, to go back and listen to some of those talks. Uh, it was just great to be with uh, many of my friends and colleagues from around the country. Thank you all uh, who were a part of that podcast, and uh, it's just great to be back here now uh, for a new season of Advancing Our Church and, and to get back to work. So before we get started, just want to uh, remember and uh, and observe the, the fact that uh, many have been impacted by the devastation of the hurricanes that have uh, hurt both Texas and Florida. I have many friends and family still in the Florida area, sending all of our love and best wishes to all of you. Uh, CatholicCharitiesUSA.org is the website you want to go to if you'd like to make a difference in the life of someone who's been uh, hurt by this devastation. 100% of your donation will go to uh, to those who have been negatively uh, impacted by these disasters. And so, again, CatholicCharitiesUSA.org. Uh, I know many of our uh, dioceses around the country are holding special collections to help those who uh, have been uh, uh, impacted by this uh, this tragedy. So uh, please make a donation somewhere. Make a difference in the life of someone uh, who truly needs it. Um, today we're going to talk about parish stewardship committees, and it's a great topic. I've We've recruited the very best in Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly is the Director of Development for the Diocese of Charlotte. Uh, and we're going to talk about stewardship, stewardship as a spirituality, as a way of engagement. Uh, by way of background, 25 years ago, in 1992, the bishops wrote a pastoral called Stewardship, a Disciple's Response. And you can go on the USCCB website right now and find that as a free PDF and download it, where you can learn what the bishops uh, were charging us with to engage the laity, uh, to bring forth the gifts of the people in their time, their talent, and their treasure. And and many folks from around the country have done a lot of work over the last couple of decades to bring that message of stewardship to their parishes, to their diocese, to their ministries. And Jim Kelly is one of those individuals. He is a national speaker. Uh, he is an author. He is the former uh, chairman of the board for the International Catholic Stewardship uh, Conference uh, and a frequent speaker on stewardship and development. Um, the International Catholic Stewardship Conference, by the way, is meeting uh, next week. Its annual meeting will be held down in Atlanta, Georgia, where I'll be seeing Jim and many of my friends and colleagues from around the country uh, who work in parish and diocesan stewardship. And I would absolutely recommend that you check out their website at catholicstewardship.org for more information about uh, stewardship and how you can uh, bring it about uh, in your own parish or in your own diocese. Jim will um, refer to a PowerPoint in his uh, discussion with me 
and I'm going to post that PowerPoint on our website at advancingourchurch.com, as well as Jim's contact information. So you can find all of that in the show notes and, and on the, the page for this episode. So I encourage you to go there. I pre-recorded this interview with Jim back in uh, earlier in the summer, back uh, at the end of June, but I s- decided to hold it so that we could release it as part of our new season. Uh, and many thanks to Jim for, for being a part of this show. And uh, I think you'll enjoy this conversation on parish stewardship. And so without further ado, here's my interview with Jim Kelly. Well, Jim, welcome. Welcome to Advancing Our Church. We're glad to have you on the program. It's great to be here, and thanks for doing this podcast program. I think Advancing Our Church has great potential, and it's wonderful you're doing what you're doing with that, Jim. Well, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Why don't we start maybe with our, for our listeners' sake, uh, you could tell us a little bit about your career and your background. Yeah, I am Jim Kelly. I'm the Director of Development for the Diocese of Charlotte in North Carolina. And like most of us lay people, I never planned to work in the church. I uh, got open doors and I entered, but it wasn't part of my plan. But it's <laughs> been working now in development and stewardship for over 30 years, and it's had the good fortune to visit over 100 dioceses to share the message. So it's uh, exciting, life-changing work. And speaking of life-changing, I've been married to my wife, Joan, for 34 years and have a 33-year-old son, Paul, and a 27-year-old daughter, Shannon, and a son-in-law, Chip. So I'm, uh, I'm definitely blessed. Oh, that's wonderful, Jim. Any grandkids yet? No, my daughter's been married for about five years, and, and we'll see if that happens the next couple of years. And my son is still single, so... That's, Nothing there yet, but, but yeah, we're hopeful. That's great. That's great. Wonderful. Well, Jim, uh, you and I, uh, in planning for the podcast, we were talking about using it to kind of introduce the concept of parish stewardship. But I know a lot of our listeners might be priests or parishioners working uh, or just volunteering in parishes around the country. Um, you know, this is 2017, so we're now at the 25th anniversary of the 1992 Bishop's Pastoral. Uh, and so maybe, you know, for the benefit of those who, who aren't familiar with the Bishop's Pastoral, maybe we could take a few minutes talking about that. What, you know, uh, and I know you've talked a lot about this in workshops and seminars you've done around the country. Um, what do you think the bishops were trying to convey uh, to us as a church? How are we called to live a life of stewardship? Yeah, um, what I saw when I looked at what the bishops did is they focused on the spiritual need of the individual to get thanked rather than the church's need to receive. So that was a major shift from what the bishops were thinking they were going to get in this document is tell us how to fundraise and we'll do it. Rather it was about the spiritual needs of the individual to get thanks. And as one of the bishops said who was on that committee, once one chooses to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, stewardship is not an option but a chosen way of life. And and they looked at four particular practices that they thought would shape the Christian steward. They received God's gifts gratefully. They cherish and tend them in a responsible and accountable manner. They share them in justice and love with others and return them with an increase to the Lord. So they were thinking about all that when they were putting this letter together. It's a beautiful letter. It still fits for us now 25 years later, so I would suggest people get a copy of that from the USDC Bid website and uh, and get a chance to, to read the pastoral letter. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, how would you say would be the best place, um, after someone has read the pa- the bishop's pastoral, 
Where does someone begin? They want to begin stewardship in their community. They, they're on fire for it. Maybe they attended an ICSE conference or a regional ICSE conference, um, or maybe they're listening to this podcast and afterwards they want to get started. What, where's the best place to get started to get stewardship going? I'll tell you what I would have them do because there's a misunderstanding of what stewardship really is. So one of the things we do is have discussion about the pastoral letter and then look at what the focus ought to really be. So there's several areas of focus that you want to understand first before you do anything. And so it's an educational process. So again, as I said, part of the stewardship is based on the individual's need to give out of thanks rather than the church's need to receive. So it's a way of life for us. It's based on the fact that they are very blessed and because they're blessed, they're grateful and they give out a gratitude of their time, talent, treasure. So it's a spiritual way of life. It's about a conversion process. So that's part of the focus. Another part of the focus, so it's in our places, it's intentional planning and proportionate giving of your time, talent, and treasure. So we want folks to make a very deliberate decision to live their life that way and then give in a plan and proportionate way. So they would give intentionally an hour a week or five hours a month or 10 hours a month of their time in town, they give, you know, 2%, 5%, 10% of their income. So it's a very clear, deliberate decision they make. And with the time in town, Jim, it's, it's based on the fact that every single person in our pews is, is gifted in some way. And part of what stewardship does is it calls them to, to figure out what those gifts are, to discern those, to develop and use them. And that's exciting when people get what their gifts are and start using those. So, so that's part of the focus. It's also about giving the first fruits of our time, talent, and treasure, not just what's left over. That's what people do a lot. If, if you make an intention to give two hours off the top of your week or five hours a month out of your month or, you know, 5% of your income. But also the time includes time spent in prayer and sacrament and then time in service to others. So that's an important aspect. You know, just imagine if we knew all the things people were dealing with in our parish communities, we'd be overwhelmed with what they're dealing with in individual lives on a monthly basis. And the ministries and time and talent help address those needs. But it's also looking at our checkbooks or our calendars. Of course, those are all now in our community. So look at our computers and say, how am I using my money? How am I using my time? So you kind of check on that. There's also a sense of, of trusting in God's providence. If you give a certain number of hours per week or per month or give a certain amount of your income, you can still trust. You can still do the important things in your life with your time and still pay your bills. So there's a trust factor. Stewardship is also proactive, that, that once you decide to give your time, talent, treasure, you don't wait to be asked you practically decide where you're going to give it. And then the last thing as far as focus, it really brings a sense of joy and fulfillment when people do this. So before they do anything, I want them to understand that focus. Because if they don't get the focus, they're going to have a hard time really looking at what they're going to do and they might be going in the wrong direction. Sure. And I know for me personally, being on this journey for a long time, um, it's a journey that uh, that evolves over time. And it's one that always comes back to prayer and certainly in dialogue with my partner, with my wife, uh, in how we can share our gifts. And, and that, but that, um, I think that constant relationship or that continued relationship and prayer with, with our Lord 
helps us to discern what our gifts are and the best way in which we can use them and also inspires us to, to do so. Would you agree? Yeah, there's no question. That makes perfect sense. And that's, that's right in the mark with what you're saying there. That That is definitely about the balance and about prayer and about your partner. If you're married, you got to make sure you guys buy into it together. Yeah. Yeah, and I was asked recently uh, by someone just, you know, how do we start stewardship, you know, as a program? And what I was, what I said to them was, you know, of course, stewardship isn't a program. It's a way of life. It's a way, uh, it's something that should permeate every fabric of our parish life. And it's something that every parish ministry, the pastoral council, the finance council, everybody should have an understanding of if it's going to grow. It can't just belong to one com- committee. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. But also, like you said, it it is a way of life, but you have to have some organization to make this effective in the parish, like anything else that happens in the parish. So what you do is once you understand the focus, the question I ask parish leaders then is, is how can, can they best establish a parish environment that will encourage people to live stewardship as a way of life? And that that, that that work to establish your environment does include some organization. So there's three things I think that are particularly effective. One is you have some kind of stewardship committee in place that gets formed and it has a number of things it does. I think the second thing you do is you have a commitment weekend every year or weekends for people to commit their time, talent, and treasure. And then the third thing is you have awareness activities 12 months a year. So to your point, Jim, where you permeate, you want to permeate this message so it becomes part of who the parish is. So you can't just do it on three or four weekends a year. You have to look as part of your committee work to have awareness activities on stewardship 12 months of the year. And that's an important piece too. Absolutely. Well, organization is key if, if this is, uh, if this is going to take root and, uh, and be a part of parish life. Why don't we start by talking about what, what's involved with forming a stewardship committee? Yeah, several things about a committee. One, it, it is formed under the pastoral council. So it, it's in, in most parishes, a subset under the parish council, who's the planning body and leadership group for the parish. And they're responsible, again, for those two things I talked about, the annual stewardship renewal commitment efforts and then the ongoing awareness 12 months a year. What you don't want to do is put it under the finance council, I've been on finance councils, Jim, you probably have as well, and, and they're great people, but their focus is budget and needs of the church, and the focus of stewardship is, is not there. So that's where it fits. And then typically you have five or more members, the bigger the parish, the more members. And then there's a certain profile you're looking for. You're looking for four things as a profile for your committee member, you want their motivation to be spiritual. If their primary focus is getting the church more money and volunteers, I don't want them on the committee. I want them instead to focus on people who need to get things spiritually and how help people to kind of do that spiritual connection to their faith to give them the time, town treasure. Secondly, I want them to be stewards themselves. I may not call it that, but I want people who give generously of their, of their treasure, whatever that may be. It's different for different people. It's a spiritual decision. And they give their time and talent generously. The third is I want them to have an idea of where could the parish be five, ten years down the road to really take on this, this worship way of life. And I want them to possess qualities to ensure success, so they're accountable, optimistic, persistent, creative, 
willing to share their faith. But I also want to give an idea of what we're looking for. What are some examples of parishes that have done this for years, and what do they look like? And, and Jim, you know, this one of the examples I give them is a parish that started this study some years ago, almost four years ago in Wichita, where they did the stewardship way of life, and sure, there are about 2,600 households and, and their middle-income parish, and sure, they bring in $90,000 a week in offertory, and they probably have 2,000 people involved in ministry. I don't care about that. They have symptoms of spiritual change. They yeah. average at weekday mass 500 people. Yeah. I mean, they have 700 people a week do adoration for an hour. You know, they have 100 some ministers, a lot of small faith groups. A lot of things they're doing that are spiritually energizing the parish. So I think you want that profile and then have them involved with, with some of the things to move them in the direction of a strong stewardship parish. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I especially keyed into what you said about when you're, when you're staffing that committee, when you're looking for volunteers, looking for people who have already living that life and maybe those, and maybe they can help to inspire others as, as, as begin that network. Exactly. That's what you're trying to get people excited about this. This makes sense. I can grow spiritually with this. You know, I can I can get more connected to Christ and more engaged in the community if I live this way of life. Absolutely. And I love what you're saying. I mean, it's not just about how many people are volunteering or how much money is coming in, but it's how many people come to Mass, how many people come to Adoration, uh, how many people yeah. are, are maybe attending the men's Bible study or the women's prayer group. Um, that's Those are great examples. Exactly. Exactly. That's great. Well, what um, what would you say would be then the committee's responsibilities and, and their role? The committee has about 19 responsibilities, and and there's a lot that they can do. And so realize you're not going to remember all this if you just listen. This is a podcast, and so you have access to a PowerPoint you can get from myself or from Jim uh, after this that has a lot of those pieces of information in it. So you don't have to worry about taking notes on this. It's available as a PowerPoint. That's right. But the committee, as I said, has 19 responsibilities. It may take five years to actually do all those things. They may start in five or six at first. But let me kind of just walk through some of those 19, and Jim, stop me as, as you want to along the way to, to kind of comment about those a little bit. The first is you want the committee to make sure every year the parish is doing a commitment weekend or weekends where people, there's homilies, there's commitment Sundays, there's commitment cards, there's ministry fairs, there's mailings, there's awareness activities over those three or four weeks, and, and people get a chance to commit their time, town treasure. Why every year? Well, for a lot of folks, they've never heard the message before. A lot of other folks, it takes probably some people five, six years to really get this message and actually try to act on it. And then for those who are living it, you get a chance to take another step as you look at this every year. So my wife and I, going back to your discussion about the couples that did Mary talking about this, my wife and I started at 2% of our income back in the 80s when we first started looking at this. Within seven years, we were at 10% of biblical tithe. That worked for us. Some people stopped at 5, some people stopped at 4 or 6. We went to 10 and we stayed there. But also, do you want to do one hour a week, five hours a week, 10 hours a month? So you get a chance to do that. So that's one of the key things. Mm-hmm. And I'll enumerate these so you know where I, where I am. The second is to have a lay witness, someone from the parish, tell their story of how they first heard about stewardship, what they thought about it, what they think about it now, how it changed their lives, how they live it out, what it's meant to them spiritually. So, you know, there's a whole uh, a training piece for lay witnesses that tell their story in five to seven minutes. 
A third thing the committee does is to have a time and talent list or catalog. You want people to have an option. If I want to commit my time and talent to the church, what options do I have? Do you have 20 ministries? Do you have 50? Do you have 100? So have a booklet so people know when they're selecting how to use their time and know what they're picking. But you also leave blank spaces so new ministries can start. A fourth piece of the committee, which, again, is not fun to do, but someone's got to contact those who commit to get involved in time and talent once they make that commitment in a, in a commitment form. Otherwise, you're not going to see them. So someone's got to call these folks and say, hey, Joe, Bill, Mary, Sue, thanks for filling this, this commitment form to be a elector or to help with faith formation or to help with our ministry for the poor. We're having an orientation session in the next three weeks on Sunday, June 2nd, at 2 o'clock, and you come here, you can learn about your ministry, we can get right into the schedule and get engaged. So that's an important piece. Oh, absolutely. And what is the number one reason why people don't get involved? And you hear it all the time. Nobody ever called me. So, absolutely. Yeah, so you certainly don't want, exactly, you don't want them not to get called. Right. Um, that, that's key. Uh, a fifth responsibility of the committee, and again, you don't do this all at once, is evaluated every year. What did you do well? What didn't you do well? Was the message and the letters sufficient? Was the ministry fair done well? Did, did the message of the witnesses really fit? Did you have it in the bulletin every week? What did you do well? What could you do better? A sixth, and this goes back to permission, the sixth thing you look at is, is put something in the bulletin every week about a stewardship spiritual message. A lot of us have two years' worth of bulletin announcements. I know you guys have that in Philadelphia. Get that and use it. A seventh area is to to have some brochures in your booklet rack in the back of the church, if you have that, where you have different stewardship brochures. Most Sunday the visitor has some of those other places have those. Rotate four or five brochures every three or four months, and people can start picking those up and just learn that way. An eighth one is if you have a parish newsletter, put articles about stewardship or about people and why they, they give their content treasure or about some of your ministries. Have some information in your parish newsletter. If you don't have a newsletter, maybe get a full-page insert into the bulletin every couple months and keep things going that way. Sure. A, a ninth area is homilies. We have looked, and you know this, Jim, we've looked at the three-year cycle of gospel readings. We have found a stewardship-themed gospel in every one of those 36 months over the three-year cycle, which means the deacons and the pastors can preach about stewardship at least once a month and tie up the Scripture at Mass that weekend. You have that message being spoken, it makes a big difference. A tenth one is to have prayers of the faithful where you can say, Lord, and gratitude for those who are sharing their gift of song in the choir, and gratitude for them practicing every week and enlivening our liturgy with their voices, let's pray the Lord. Something simple like that every couple of weeks or every three weeks with the prayers of the faithful. That's the tenth one. An eleventh one, and this is core, and this could be a whole hour-long podcast, Jim, sure. is, is have a welcoming and hospitable uh, program, hospitality program, where people are welcomed. You can have a whole subcommittee at some point does that, so people can't wait to get there. They're treated well. Everyone knows who they are. They have some best friends in the parish. They're connected in ministries. They're invited to do things. That's one of the key things. Have some gatherings when you have pot, potluck, you know, dinners once or a quarter or so, or you have people greeted at Mass, or you have donuts and coffee after Mass, or new people 
are, are actually visited to welcome to the parish or you celebrate people's birthdays by mailing birthday cards to all the people in the parish. A lot of things you can do in hospitality that get people engaged. Absolutely. Statistics show that stewardship parishes are, are traditionally welcoming parishes, strong on evangelization. So can, I can't emphasize that one enough. Absolutely. No, that's, that's probably one of the key things. Is we'll see a little bit later on, and we'll go through, through the discussion. It's one of the top eight things people find are effective. We'll come to that later. Yep. A, tw- a twelfth one is a lot of parishes have commissioning Sundays. So once people commit to these different ministries in family life, or community life, or education, or liturgical, liturgical ministries, or or education, once they commit, they have a Sunday where they're all commissioned by the pastor. For those who are going to be involved in any of our liturgical ministries. You know, Eucharistic ministers and lectors and, and, you know, those who clean the altar, all those things, we stand up and I will commission you. For all those involved in education anyway, with our faith formation program, our double education, our confirmation classes, our first communion, stand and I'll commission you. For all those who are doing work in the, in the community for the poor, we'll commission you. For those who are involved in, in the church and families would meet together and do things as families. For those in our prayer ministries, Bible studies and and prayer lines and all that for commission use. So a whole commissioning ceremony after Mass one weekend. Thirteen is is to do a lot of things to show appreciation throughout the year. People don't leave the Catholic Church because they're thanked too much. And so just one example there, we had a parish that they called every ministry group at least once a year. So my wife's a singer at their choir. She got a call two weeks ago. They got the voicemail, but when she got the chance to listen to it, it said, Joan, thank you much for singing in the choir. We're so grateful. You get time away from your family every Thursday night. You leave them to practice with us on Thursday. You, you don't sit with your family on Sundays because you're singing in the choir. God bless you for singing. We appreciate what you do. Simple three or four sentence thank you. They call every ministry or volunteer person a year. Once a year, they all get thanked. Just a simple thing. Fourteen is to have a children's religious education program that incorporates stewardship message, a number of parishes and diocese, there was resources for that. And then also connected to that, have a separate component for stewardship for children to give their time talent treasure from grade school to middle school to high school to college. And then and then fifteen is to to talk about discernment, help people decide and discern what their gifts are. Most of our parishioners have no clue that they're gifted. They don't know they're gifted, and so they don't think they have a gift. And I've never met an adult Catholic in my life who's not gifted in some way. <laughs> Absolutely. Do that. That's a big deal. Absolutely. I think a lot of times people uh, think, well, that's not me. That's somebody else. I, I couldn't do that, right, until, until somebody taps them on the shoulder and gives them that personal invitation. Yep. And it makes a big difference. I remember when, when I first got involved in the church, uh, when I was out of college, my pastor, I was going to a weeknight mass to meet some people because I was new in the community. And the pastor saw me talking to some people after mass and talking to some of the young people there. He said, you know, you're pretty good with kids. Why don't you help me with my youth group? And so I did. If he had invited me, I might not have done that. But he recognized that I was engaging the kids in an appropriate way and, and talking to them and getting along with them well after mass. And he said, I'd like that, that, that involvement, why don't you help me So it is about invitation and noticing things, but that's a big deal. Absolutely. Um, another one that has a lot more to it 
is, is what you do in, in continuing education. What do you do in what I call the five M's to help build up and utilize a network of resources? That's a big deal too, I think, Jim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they can start that from year one. So let me kind of go through things in the 16th area that, that people can look at. And there's really some subsets in that. Sure. One is looking at materials. I'll say more about that in a minute. One is meetings. One is mixing. One is models and one is email. And and I know we as Catholics live by the Ten Commandments. I get that. I know one of them is do not steal. That does not apply to stewardship. We're looking to try to get ideas from any place we can get them for best practices and stewardship. So these five areas, materials, meetings, mixing, models, and emails help us do that. Let me say a little bit about each of those briefly. Great. In materials... The ICSC, the International Catholic Stewardship Conference, um, has been a resource for probably 40-plus years, maybe even 50 years, to help parishes across the country live the stewardship way of life. And the conference every year will be in Atlanta in September. There will probably be 1,200 people there with 80 sessions. But they also have some manuals. They have a, a, a stewardship, disciples respond, a practical guide for pastoral leaders to implement stewardship, probably an 80-page manual. They have a children's stewardship manual, probably 80 pages. A keeping stewardship alive that has probably 80 pages, and it has over 300 handouts and a CD in the back of the manual. There's a book called Best Practices in Parish Stewardship. Chuck Zeck did a, a, a book on some research uh, for ICSC and with ICSC. He actually surveyed 1,500 Catholic churches and found the eight best practices uh, impaired stewardship. So we can get that information to you as a follow-up. But that's some of the materials. Likewise, there's a website. So I won't mention those now, Jim, because it's probably too detailed, but there's a number of resources we can send them as a follow-up. You know they're interested. Sure. And what are some parishes and dioceses that have some good stewardship resources and how you get access to them? So a lot of things on the web as far as materials. Mm-hmm. So that's materials. On the meetings, they can come to the ICSC annual conference. Uh, as we said, that every year we go to different places, Atlanta in September. And I know you've done this in the past in Philadelphia, but in a number of dioceses, they have stewardship days where they have speakers come in just for that diocese. Or like in our area, we have five dioceses have probably 300 people come in once a year for a, a provincial stewardship day with five dioceses. Wow. Some people do conference call meetings. A lot of things with meetings are important. On mixing, what that involves individual phone calls, individual meetings, individual emails. When you get connected to a parish doing this well, or if you get connected to someone you meet at a conference, or you get connected with other parishes in your diocese doing stewardship, you talk with them and, and get ideas from them and, and connect so that that whole mixing that goes on. Another area within that whole 16th area of, of education that continues to get the focus on getting better at what you're doing is models. And I'll say two things about that, Jim. And most diocese have some of both these, but they certainly have the second. The first, though, is each year, for probably almost 20 years, ICSC has picked a model stewardship parish as a resource for the national church. Now, can I promise a parish picked 18 years ago still doing effective stewardship? No. They could have had pastor changes or they could have had leadership changes as, as personally go, but a lot of them still are because I know a lot of them. 
you can get that list from ICSC or Jim for you or myself of, sure. of all these different parishes who've done great work in stewardship. And we tell them when you get the award, you've got to be available for other parishes to give them ideas and information. Call some of those 17 to 20 parishes. The other thing I would argue, most dioceses can pick a top 10 in their diocese of who's going to do a stewardship work. So I'm sure in Philadelphia, Jim, you would know with your work on the archdiocese, who are some of the top parishes doing good stewardship? Get sure. them connected with some of the parishes in your diocese. I can easily name the top 10 dioceses in our diocese in Charles, so models is important. And the last one is email. Maybe you start a group email exchange with people in your diocese or in your region, and you ask questions to go back and forth. So that's another key thing, which is the 16th responsibility, which is doing something to make what you're doing better by getting ideas from other folks. Tremendous. Tremend- a lot of great examples there, Jim. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure anybody who's listening can really see that this is really a, a holistic plan, right? I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to this. But like you said from the very beginning, pick one or two that you want to start with and, and you know, expand from there. But that's that's fantastic. Yeah, and it makes sense. But then what you got to do, and I'll, and I'll go through the last three responsibilities. Yeah. Then what you got to do in, in 17, you got to develop a plan. Right. So not only do we have the PowerPoint available to you, but for a number of these different things that I've talked about, we have examples or handouts we can also send to the people, uh, Jim, or to you. So as an example, we talked about lay witness earlier on. We have a, a 13-page handout on how to educate and, and train people to do a lay witness presentation. In the 17th one on the annual plan, we have several annual plans of what parishes have done in the first four or five years to carry out stewardship. So you get a sample plan, you can look at it, maybe pick some ideas from that. The 18th one is you provide a program of stewardship education for parish leaders and ministry heads. So if you have, I'm making this up, if you have 10 people on the parish council and seven on the finance council, that's 17. Then if you have 80 ministries, that'd be 97 leaders. A lot of parishes, including the ones we work with, will bring those 97 people together once or twice a year for three hours on a Saturday morning to hear about stewardship, to hear about being a better leader, and then to see where their role fits in stewardship for that year. Because here's, here's, here's the thing about leadership at just core. Yeah. Basically, leadership is taking folks where they wouldn't go on their own. If they go there on their own, they don't need you as a leader. So, so basically, if we educate the leaders, they educate the people they work with in ministering the parish. The Absolutely. second thing about leadership is I know you, you, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I get that, but you can make them thirsty. One of our jobs as leaders is to make people thirsty to want to drink the, the, the water of stewardship. So working with leaders and that 18th responsibility is a big deal and important to get them engaged because they reach a lot of people. And then the, the 19th one is to expand your focus beyond the parish, even the diocese. Don't just do ministry in the parish. Maybe you have work crews that go serve food at a homeless shelter. Maybe you have people that build a habitat house. Maybe raise money for doing something in Haiti or Jamaica and then go down and visit them. So those are the 19 things. What I say to folks, you'll be overwhelmed if you try to do all at once. Don't. Pick, like you said, Jim, four or five in the first year and start. But But, but how do you take this podcast and do something with it. Find what I call a mentor or someone to help you. So there's several ways to do that. A lot of dioceses, including ours, have some people on the diocesan level 
who are paid by the diocese to help do stewardship work with people in the parishes. Call those folks in that diocese and obviously if you have that. Some don't. If you don't, there could be other parishes who do a good job in stewardship in your diocese or a neighboring diocese. They maybe want to come in and meet with your folks and share their experience. Or there could be a person who's available as a volunteer to come in who's done this before in other parishes. So find some mentor to help guide and direct you once you look at, understand the focus is in the right place, and then decide what to do with some of these committee responsibilities. That's, that's a big deal. That's great. Great advice. Well, especially because, you know, they're going to have questions along the way, and everybody has tried this in different ways. So it's good to have that, those relationships to help you move this forward. Exactly. Makes perfect sense to me. Perfect sense. What I want you to think about after listening to this, this podcast today, you've heard quite a bit. You have access to a PowerPoint and handouts to give you more detail about these, a lot more than we've talked about, so you have things to look at. I want you to think about what you heard and go back to your parish and plan some initial steps. Try to work to establish a parish environment or foster personal conversion. So maybe you talk to your pastoral council about this and say, okay, we heard this podcast. Here's what we like. Here's what we think. Are you interested as a parish council in doing this? Hopefully they'll say yes, they're okay. Then our step is the former stewardship committee. Can you help us with that? Great. Now let's put together a committee. So, and let's get them to work. So that's what you do, plan some initial steps and start doing it. Because what will happen over time, this can change people's lives. Because what happens bottom line is people get more connected to Christ and more engaged in the community, which is what we're looking for at the end of the day. And that's what happens when you embrace stewardship as a way of life. Absolutely. Only good things can happen from that and, and more engagement, uh, closer relationship with God and, uh, and just more vibrant parishes, right? It's fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Jim, in your travel. I'll probably go through the last questions you have, I think. Okay, great. Hey, Jim, in your travels, you know, kind of going around the country and talking about stewardship, you know, how widely, uh, do you see the concept of stewardship or the spirituality of stewardship being embraced by parishes around the country? Yeah, I would say, to be fair, it's inconsistent. So you find some areas in, in the Northwest, in the Midwest, and, and, and the Southeast particularly, where, where dice have done this for a long time. And there's some real strong places in other parts of the country, too. But it's not consistently focused on or, or, or lived. It really depends on a couple different things, and this is why it's inconsistent. If a bishop gets it, and it's important to him, that people do this and he provides leadership and direction, that diocese will get parishes involved that are good stewardship. So that's one of the things, the bishop being on board. Some bishops aren't because they have other things they're doing. So secondly is if you have a pastor who's engaged and involved, he or you know, he can end up getting things done as a pastor to start the leadership. But it can be done without a bishop or a pastor's direct involvement in this way. If a lay person gets wind of this thing called stewardship and they decide to talk to some people, if they go to a, a stewardship conference with ICSD or go to a Dawson Stewardship Day or a regional stewardship day, they can come back and hopefully get their parish council and pastor to listen to what they have to say, what they have to say. Maybe they'll get someone to go. And so it just takes leadership, either the bishop, the pastor, or the lay people, or Leadership on the diocesan level, where again you organize stewardship days, you organize gatherings, you try to go out and talk to parish councils. So, because there's not consistent involvement on those levels, there's not consistent involvement of bishop, pastor, or lay folks in the parishes or diocesan staff. 
at all 195 guys. So where those things are in place, there's more engagement involved with stewardship. Where there's not, we're looking for people to take that leadership I talked about earlier and start trying to get it going because it takes a spark, as I say, to get a fire going. We know how that works. Sure. It, it takes one leader to try to get this to work. Give you a, a quick example. Again, it, it's, it's just one example. We had an individual come from Australia to ICS by mistake about 15 years ago. He thought he was going to the financial conference with the CFOs of the country. He went to the wrong place at the wrong date. They said, heck, I'm already here at the stewardship conference. Miles will stay here because I screwed up. I missed the whole other conference. It was two weeks earlier. I'm going to learn this thing called stewardship. He got so excited, speaking of Spark, took it back. Over the next 10 years, they took stewardship to every diocese in Australia from that one person going to the wrong conference. Wow. It takes one person to start that spark. That's tremendous. So I think it's inconsistent, but if there's leadership, it can move. Absolutely. What do you think, uh, you know, we both worked in the diocesan uh, offices. Um, what is the, what's the challenge from your perspective of, of implementing stewardship uh, at the diocesan level? Yeah, I think there's several, Jim, and as you know this too from your experience, one of the, the challenges is that not enough dioceses or archdioceses have full-time people that give themselves to trying to get stewardship going in the diocese. So, if you're real small, like we, we have about, we're probably the biggest diocese of the bottom third. So about two-thirds of dioceses are big enough. So we're not huge. We're not the smallest, but we're not anywhere the biggest. So we have a, an associate director who had for, for 24 years has part of that person's job of stewardship, but it's not the only thing they do. So we have a part-time person uh, doing stewardship, and then that person has part-time things in other areas in the office. But at least it's part-time, so she can spend some time doing things with parishes. Some guys have a full-time person doing that. So if you don't have any one staff to do that at all, even part-time, that's a challenge. Sure. The, the second challenge is people coming to this thing called stewardship from different perspectives. They see it a lot of times as, as money, as needs of the church. So if we don't get them on the right focus to start off, they can get off track. So if they're thinking they're doing it just to get more money, it becomes an increased offertory program. And they miss the boat and miss all the, the whole spiritual growth that can come out of it. So I think we got to make sure when we talk to folks about it, the focus is in the right place. And then the other, obviously in the Catholic Church, pastors are core to what happens in the parish communities, as are the lay leaders. So we want to have access to the pastors and then convince them how important this is. And sometimes we don't do that well enough and or convince the parish leaders, the parish council members and such to do this. So, we could always do a better job of getting those folks engaged, and so that's another challenge we have. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Jim, you've given us a lot of great information uh, today. Um, if folks have questions, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, let me do a couple things. One is is to give you my email, and I'll just uh, give that. You can write down and give it to Jim. It's, it's J-K-K-E-L-L-E-Y at charlottediocese.org. So it's J-K-K-E-L-L-E-Y at charlottediocese.org. Or my associate, who also is involved with this very heavily, you can you can email her. It's K-A-T-O-R-N-E-S-E-L-L-O at charlottediocese.org. So again, K-A-T-O-R-N-E-S-E-L-L-O 
at shaw.org. So, or they can call my number at 704-370-3301 or call Carrie's number, my associate. Uh, Carrie, you can call her at 704-370-3302. Like I told you early on in, in this presentation, we think it's important to share the resources when you have them, so that's our responsibility too. So if we have resources that we can give people to help them along the way, we're happy to do that, Jim. Well, thank you, Jim. Uh, it's been great having you on the show today. I will uh, make sure that I post all of your contact information as well as the PowerPoint uh, on our website uh, so folks can get in touch with you if they have additional questions. But really appreciate all your, your great insights today. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Obviously, this, there aren't many dioceses doing podcasts or talking about important topics like this. But I think what you're doing here, Jim, is a model for other dioceses to do that same kind of thing. This Advancing Our Church podcast uh, program you have is a wonderful and great example I share with other dioceses in the country. I want to thank Jim for being on our show this week. And Jim, in a special way, thanks for all you have done and continue to do to spread the message of stewardship at the International Catholic Stewardship Conference in your own diocese of Charlotte and really all over the world. Uh, we're so appreciative for the role model that you have been for so many of us who have worked in diocesan ministry. Thank you again, Jim, and hope to have you back on the show soon. Well, that's our show this week. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Advancing Our Church. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit our website at advancingourchurch.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Advance Podcast or join our Facebook group. If you'd like to support our show, give us a rating on iTunes or keep retweeting and reposting our show on social media. We sure do appreciate it. I'm Jim Friend. I hope you have a fantastic week, everybody. Take care and God bless. <music>